Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is not just a movie, it is a merchandiser's dream. From the stars on soda cans to countless toys, tie-ins from the film will soon be taking over the world. It may seem like child's play, but the selling of Star Wars is a multi-billion dollar industry. And the new galaxy of Phantom products promises to be an irresistible force. And there's obviously going to be huge demand for these toys because there's just unbelievable hype about this Star Wars movie. If this is the happening of the century, certainly the one that's going to cap this century. The combination of BBDL, Pepsi, Industrial Light and Magic, and obviously Star Wars, I think, is going to be a combustible combination for the summer of 99. We're looking for magic this summer. We're going to get it. Over the last 22 years, Star Wars products have generated an estimated $4 billion. Episode 1 toys alone are expected to generate a billion dollars this year. Thanks to lucrative deals, Lucas struck with Tiger Electronics Toys and Hasbro to join the Phantom Force. And they will seduce their Star Wars. episode number 186 of Blast Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. We're back. Phantom Menace year is back. Month nine of Phantom Menace year. Phantom Menace year. Phantom Menace year. <laughs> what fast. <laughs> Phantom Menace year goes even faster than a normal year, I think. Because it's like all the excitement of a normal year plus all that extra Phantom Menace. It's like every month is like waiting for Phantom Menace to come out again. <laughs> She'd say when we started Phantom Menace year, so naive, so far, so we knew nothing. We didn't even know the Rise of Skywalker was the Rise of Skywalker. It was still just episode nine. Didn't know about Palpatine. <laughs> no. Simpler times. Well, in month nine here of Phantom Menace year, we are talking about the insane era of merchandising of phantom menace stuff that went along with the movie because it was a huge part of anticipation and waiting for the movie to come out suddenly star wars went from zero to 90 in the space of about a month and you could not literally could not escape the phantom menace no matter where you went yeah everything about phantom menace was big 
and loud and in your face. <laughs> and outside of the movie, the marketing and the promotion was big and loud and in your face and everywhere. It's kind of fun to go back and rewatch some of the stuff because it's almost like hard to believe it was real in a way until you go watch like a video of people in Toys R Us or something. Because it was so just overwhelming. You, going back and watching those commercials again and watching some of like the news footage, it really was insane. <laughs> but we were like in the eye of the hurricane at that point. Like we were, I wouldn't even say we were like the target audience because I feel like a lot of what they were trying to do was just make sure that every single living person on this earth knew there was a new Star Wars movie coming out. <laughs> but we, you know, we had like notebooks full of pictures and <laughs> we were <laughs> figure we were inventing text messaging so we could send the latest scoops to each other. <laughs> yeah, they just had to make sure that. Everywhere you looked, there was something about Phantom Menace, and everyone wanted to ride that Phantom Menace wave, too, because I think the the craziest thing about it is Lucasfilm had a certain amount of promotion and marketing and licensing they were doing, but then it almost, I feel like, took a life of its own, and like everybody wanted to have something Phantom Menace to release, so anyone who could ever make anything licensed like wanted to have their thing, whether it was pencil erasers or candy it was in grocery stores it was at fast food places like i remember i remember walking through like a grocery store and enjoying it but also kind of knowing that this isn't right that <laughs> there was like everywhere i looked like on every bag of chips on things of pop on ice cream on cereal boxes Everything was Star Wars. Everything was the Phantom Menace. And it was kind of like, I really enjoy this, but also it makes me feel strange. <laughs> well, it's almost like there's the scene in Spaceballs that's kind of making fun of the Star Wars merchandising. But Phantom Menace was so much beyond even that parody that the parody isn't even funny because the real Phantom Menace marketing was like way more intense than even, even the joke. They just they just didn't have toilet paper, which I'm kind of sad that they did. <laughs> I, I probably would have gotten it. Yeah. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. Spaceballs the T-shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> that kids love this one. So when you look back on that period of time, those months before The Phantom Menace came out and that area of the crazy, what do you remember? What's weird going back is at that time, I don't think I was really watching much TV. So a lot of the TV commercials aren't as burned into my brain as they might be. But I remember just, you know, the toys, things at Toys R Us because I was at Toys R Us all the time. More of the kind of stuff you would see, I think, around town, like going to a fast food restaurant and having all the posters and things up like that. Or just, yeah, going to a random store and seeing all the cereal boxes with Star Wars. Like everything 
out in the real world I remember seeing. It's the thing. I wasn't watching a whole lot of TV either because I just had, I lived in a tiny little one bedroom apartment in Grand Rapids and I, I had a, a 12 inch TV that I would watch widescreen movies on. And <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> I, I had a like an antenna with tinfoil on it so I could watch Deep Space Nine and The Simpsons and Conan O'Brien. So unless they were playing commercials on Deep Space Nine, I didn't get a whole lot of Phantom Menace commercials. But I did at that time briefly work at a Suncoast video store at the mall. And me and uh, our a friend of the show, Kyle Moore, our job was to set up the Phantom Menace stuff. We had to stay after the store closed. And we were like, we will gladly stay for as long as you need to set. And we were setting up like all these banners in the store. And we were like spent hours like, well, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi should face out to the. Yes, that's a good idea. Like strategically putting everything out. But I remember even that where there was just so much stuff. There was like all those applause figures and there was books and there was like a straw with Jar Jar on it or something. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this, this is a lot of Star Wars stuff. Like, are people going to like the movie? And I remember it was kind of at that moment where I was like, what if it's not good? Who am I then? What happens to me? But it was, it was like you're saying, it, like every type of store had their own stuff to fit that store. Like you'd go to Suncoast and they'd have the applause sculptures and some other things that were different than what you would get if you went to a toy store or different what you would get if you went to a fast food place. Like it, it wasn't just that there was stuff that was everywhere. It was like there was different stuff at every place and it was like tailored depending on where you were. Even the fast food experiences, it was Taco Bell. Everything was Tatooine themed KFC. Everything was Naboo themed Pizza Hut. Everything was Coruscant themed. Star Wars has had a lot of merchandising in the past, but nothing ever to the level that the Phantom Menace was. Did you ever get the fear that there was like too much Star Wars, too much Phantom Menace going on for a minute there? I don't think I ever did. I think I was just enjoying it. You know, that we had the special editions had come out and it had been a couple of years and this was like the first new Star Wars. So it was like every new thing you saw was just. It's like heaven on earth because I'm still that way. It's like we go to a celebration and there's, you know, I can look at Phantom Menace stuff all day. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Oh, it's a little a little notebook that's like three inches by four inches that you can. I don't know what you would take tiny notes in and it has, you know, a battle droid on. It and it's like, oh, look at this. I don't I never saw this before. So, yeah, I don't think it ever crossed my mind that it was like too much stuff because it was kind of like everywhere you went. You were living in Star Wars Celebration. At that point, so <laughs> the world became Star Wars Celebration in like April to May 1999. And maybe that's not for everyone, but I was eating it up. With the success of the film, the country goes Star Wars crazy. In the modern world, success can't be confined to one medium. It spills over into every area of our lives. Star Wars has spawned more star wares than anyone can count. It has become an inescapable phenomenon. People all 
always think like, oh, well, Star Wars and merchandise. And there's always been Star Wars stuff. You know, George Lucas got the toy rights and there's always been, you know, the Star Wars stuff. But that's when you go back through the history and the history of licensing and Star Wars, Lucasfilm, that's really not the case. Like in the summer of 77, everybody knows like the early bird action figure kits that they sold, like the empty box of action figures. And in that summer, when the movie came out, there was like next to nothing that people could buy. There was some comics and there was like posters and there were like some t-shirts around but even the soundtrack came out after the movie came out and originally they didn't have a lot of faith in if anyone would buy the soundtrack and they originally only printed 10,000 copies of the soundtrack on vinyl which like sold out like immediately and after Star Wars like right after Star Wars released George Lucas he had a new contract with 20th Century Fox. And that's when he got the sequel rights and a huge chunk of the merchandising rights. And so it was in between Star Wars and Empire in those years that the licensing and the merchandising of Star Wars had to basically maintain a financial base to keep the the ever-growing company Lucasfilm afloat. At, at that time, they just had like 30 to 40 employees and people were learning how to do these things basically as they went and by the summer of 1979 just kenner toys had made about 200 million dollars in toy sales which let's say that's like their probably their first year of selling star wars toys and they had made 200 million dollars which i think today like is something close to four five hundred million dollars it was a lot of money then. It's even more money now, yeah. And that absolutely shocked everyone. And that allowed Lucasfilm to be start receiving millions and millions and millions of dollars and could build the company more and more. So really everything we have for Star Wars and the idea that they could do Skywalker Ranch and the idea that they could be as ambitious as they wanted to with The Empire Strikes Back is really all due to this, the stuff, the merchandising, <laughs> the action figures and the records and the T-shirts and the posters and all that stuff. And in between all that time between Star Wars and Empire, that's what kept, kept Star Wars going. Having the stuff around when the movies were not playing in theaters helps just keep the excitement going, too, especially into the 90s, like before the special editions, when, when toys started to come back out. Like that was like the first wave of rekindling everyone's madness. We we were like rabid dogs, <laughs> yeah. just in. Everyone was. You'd go to, to like Toys R Us or Target, and people were acting like lunatics over these Star Wars figures. People didn't really know what was going on other than seeing them in stores. Yeah, people were really crazy. But people act crazy when they're starving. I guess is what, <laughs> it's what we learned. Yeah, because people were surviving on bendums. It's like, oh, there's, not, there's no protein in a bendum. It's like the equivalent of eating a granola bar for dinner. <laughs> but yeah, Star Wars owes so much to this stuff. When you think about it, it's like, aside from weirdly now Disney at the time, no one had done merchandising like this on a piece of entertainment, on a movie before Star Wars. I mean, 
Like literally Disney was the only other thing that had this level of mass saturation. And it's, it's almost kind of weird that like, you know, not get too deep with it, but like why as Star Wars fans, we need to, to have like a physical thing, (laughs) you know, like when you meet the Star Wars fan, who's like, you know, what's your favorite collectible? And they're like, I've never bought anything Star Wars. They would, they would be like, that's weird. You're not a real person. Have them have a panel at Celebration and people can ask them questions. Like, how did you do that? You never bought anything? Not even a, a micro machine or something just to keep in your pocket? Did, did you get the red Millennium Falcon t-shirt from Target? <laughs> like, why do we have to do this? I mean, I know why we have to do it because like, you know, I remember when Attack the Clone cereal was out, and I was like, finally, I can digest Star Wars through my body. <laughs> finally, I can eat again. But it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, Star Wars is kind of weird, and, and when you get get the itch, you get hooked on it. Yeah, you want to you want little versions of the stuff. You want to touch things. You want to wear it on your clothes. I don't. Yeah. It's. But it, that's the whole thing. Like, on one hand financially it supported star wars and on the other hand like emotionally it supported star wars because star wars fans wouldn't be as devoted and invested in the series if they didn't have all their stuff that they love as much or some people more than the movies like for there's a whole group of people who the stuff is more important than even the films but it's great it's great that there's that the stuff exists and people love the stuff and everyone thought Star Wars fans love this stuff. A new Star Wars movie is coming out. Maybe they'll love a ridiculous amount of stuff. <laughs> so much stuff that there's no way everyone could even buy all of the stuff that was made. So, the, yeah, the original trilogy ends and we go into the 90s and we have like the drought of Star Wars stuff. And that, you know, there was video games and there were the books and there was Dark Horse Star Point Out comics and there were the RPGs. But even that, that was all just stuff. I mean, the books, you know, you could read and were a whole other thing. But even when, when like the new books would come out or a new comic or even like Bendham's, it was like, oh my God. There's something in a store that says Star Wars on it. Yeah, that was all it took in, in like the mid-90s. It just had to have those, those eight letters on it. I need this. This year, a lot of kids are asking their parents for space toys for Christmas. And the demand is having a tremendous effect on the toy industry. Industry-wide sales are up by almost 8%. Most of the increase attributable to the space toys craze. But Cincinnati-based Kenner Corporation sales are up 40%. And Kenner officials say the movie Star Wars is responsible. Last year, Kenner won the rights to manufacture toys based on the movie, paying millions in royalties. But Kenner says it'll pay off. They've shipped over 30 million Star Wars toys this season, and they're firmly convinced the craze could last for years. The attitude we're taking in our planning is that George Lucas has created this marvelous fantasy world, peopled by all kinds of droids and exciting creatures, and... uh, we think that uh, it could be another Disney. Maybe uh, 50 years from now, they'll be celebrating uh, R2-D2's 50th uh, anniversary. Many toy lines have tried to duplicate Disney's success. All have failed. But even if R2-D2 doesn't become another Mickey Mouse, it's made a very Merry Christmas for the toy industry. But then, coming after the special edition, 
we go right into Phantom Menace. And like we said, nothing was like that before and nothing was like that ever since. Yeah, and may never be like that again because generally people learn from their mistakes <laughs> and, and the world can't handle it. It was like we said before, it was so everywhere. Some of, again, not for us at all, but do you think some of the negative feelings from normal people at that time towards the Phantom Menace, do you think any of this insane amount of Phantom Menace mania, saturation stuff had anything to do with that ever? Of people's dislike and annoyance with the movie? Yes. (laughs) Maybe a little bit, because I could see if... On one hand, it's like you go see a movie and you don't like it and then you move on. But then you go to the grocery store and, you know, Jar Jar's looking at you from the candy rack and on all the TV guide covers. Because I could easily see people just kind of being, "Eh, the movie didn't do anything for me, really. I didn't really, I don't really care for it. And then, yeah, they walk out of the movie theater and if they go to like a gas station and the movie they were kind of lukewarm on is on every bag of chips and on the can of Pepsi <laughs> is a picture of Captain Panaka and an Emodian feeling of kind of like whatever towards the movie could easily turn into, yeah, I hated that because it's being now shoved down my throat. I think I could see it with maybe people that bought a lot of stuff before they saw the movie and maybe spent more money than they should have. <laughs> And then saw the movie and just kind of it fell flat for them. And then they're like, I just spent like all my grocery money for a month on this crap. (laughs) And now I hate this movie more so than like just a normal person going to the movies and then like seeing a Jar Jar lollipop at the gas station. Because, yeah, you're definitely it's almost like, yeah, when you put money on the line. You feel more invested in feeling like the movie has to be the best thing you've ever seen to justify being up at two in the morning, buying a hundred dollars worth of toys. Maybe I don't know. And, and that's the thing, you know. Like now, none of that period of time matters. It's like even like we were saying at the beginning, like going back and watching the absolutely insane commercials from that period of time. It's fascinating because it's just like wow. Yeah, this really existed. And nowadays, like if somebody wants to watch the Star Wars movies, whether they start with episode four or they start with episode one or whatever way they do it, episode one is just it's just part of the saga. It's just there. And there none of that pre-release mania is affecting their viewing of the movie, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, it's definitely got to be interesting for people and nice in a way to just watch the movie and enjoy it or not enjoy it for what it is. Cause it is probably impossible for anything to live up to that much hype. Everybody wanted to out hype everyone else (laughs) because it was just this fever of it's star Wars. People are going to buy anything with star Wars on it. I heard this, someone tell me that this is the best movie I've they've ever seen and then well this is going to be the best movie anyone's ever seen and it's star wars it's going to be the biggest thing ever yeah people saying it's going to be the cultural event of the century you know when tickets went on sale it's like tickets are selling out and people are already lining up and this is a huge huge deal 
And yeah, I, I passed out after I saw it for the first time. But for a majority of normal people out there, it was just a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was just a movie. Normal people didn't pass out afterwards. Yeah, and it's okay for it to be just a movie. <laughs> I envy those people. But it could be hard for those people who would ordinarily just go see it. Like, yeah, it's just a movie. It's cool to have heard for a month and that it's the most amazing thing that's ever going to walk the earth and that they can't go get a gordita and not have Jar Jar Binks sticking his tongue at them, <laughs> get some garlic bread and not have to see Captain Panaka, which if I eat garlic bread, I only want to see Captain Panaka. Jam the doors. guy coming out of the theater going, it was great! You know, that's the, who I want to be. I thought there was going to be, be people here already, and it turned out there wasn't being. I was like, wow, I'm the first one. Well, it's Star Wars. It's like the, the original trilogy was just so phenomenal. People have been awaiting this for like 16 years. It's, it's grabbing history and maybe going with it and, and becoming part of it and giving a story to our, our children. It's going to be one of the, one of the many wonders of the world there are now eight wonders of the world one of them being this this movie we've been waiting since the last one came out for 16 years so this is a big thing i mean we've been waiting a long time it's it's time to get back into it it's the event of the whole thing in the history of star wars and crazy merchandising and cross-promoting there's one part of it out there that nobody ever talks about anymore. It's gone down in legend. It's a secret in every corner of Star Wars history. It's the incredible Marfalump. He's an, uh, a marketing icon, a superstar of promotion. For, okay, so for people out there that are unfamiliar with the Marfalump, Gabe, who was Marfalump? So Marfalump was an alien creature obsessed with Pepsi. That was created by elves from Santa Claus, I think, or angels from heaven. It's, <laughs> it's hard to know for sure, but some advertising firm came up with this creature in conjunction with ILM, who was a goofy CG alien who loved Pepsi and Star Wars. And the idea was everyone loves Star Wars. Everyone loves Pepsi, but people don't like words. So let's just have an alien that holds Pepsi and drinks it. Well, he, and he, he's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Yes, he's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. He's completely hyped up on caffeine or cocaine or some sort of stimulant. <laughs> and he talks really fast. He tries to go on a date. All the all the normal things that people do when they're uh, excited for Phantom Menace. It's what I love with Marvel Lump. He's like one step away from being Poochie. <laughs> He's like one skateboard ride and like recycle to the extreme. Like if Marvel Lump Mania would have taken off, he would have been full on Poochie eventually. Well, yeah, he's like the perfect encapsulation of late 90s over the top extreme attitude. Like he's got it all. And he just he just drinks soda. He drives fast. He talks fast. It's weird because I don't like Pepsi. But I did buy a bunch of Mountain Dew cans, I think. But I like Marfalump, so at least the, so maybe the plan works because it's like like oh, I don't really like Pepsi, but oh, there's an alien. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I kind of want to hang out with Marfalump. He's got 
forearms. He loves Star Wars. There's one commercial where they show like his his attic that he lives in, and he's got a big fan of Menace poster. He's got a bunch of Star Wars stuff. I'm like, I bet we'd get along. He's a big fan. All he wants to do is talk about Phantom Menace and drink soda. That sounds like fun. Let's hang out. What else you got going on, Marfalump? But the thing, yeah, the more you think about Marfalump, he really is not that out of place in Phantom Menaceness. Like he could very easily have been a pod racer. He probably went to high school with Jar Jar and they didn't really get along, but they kind of like had the same circle of friends. I would not be surprised if, because there's so very little information about Marvel Lump. It, it was like Pepsi created, but like Industrial Light and Magic did stuff, but nobody at ILM wants to talk about their their experiences with Marvel Lump. <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised though if at one time or another Lucas had a hand in something like somebody showed him oh, I like the guy. <laughs> you know, Lucas is a Coke guy. We know that. Coca-Cola and the Hershey bars. But maybe Lucas had a Pepsi period. Maybe he tried switching to Pepsi at some time. Maybe that was how he uh, kicked his Coke habit for a while. Was like, well, we're just going to partner with Pepsi and I don't want to drink that crap. So it'll be easier for for me to take a break. He tried to wean off our 10-step program. (laughs) Marfalum represents my dark side. He's my shadow. (laughs) He only drinks Pepsi. He talks really fast and he's loud. He's the yang to my yin. (laughs) I had to face my greatest fear in the cave. And it was Marvel Lump. (laughs) So there's this amazing video on YouTube, which, again, somebody found it in the well of souls. I don't know where it came from, but it's like, I feel like it's like a corporate, like advertising video. It's everything's got like this like late 90s. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. Like, I'm surprised Rick McCallum is not in the video talking about Martha Lump is going to kill all of you. It's going to show up in your house in the middle of the night and kick you in the face. <laughs> poor Pepsi down the back of your pants. Yeah. If anything, Rick McCallum saw the video and thought it was in poor taste. It was hyphen it up too much. <laughs> it is like the perfect explanation and kind of. It's as outrageous as Marfalump. The concept and and the real character is is just this promotional video with the that starts with the lady talking about the power of the Marfalump idea. The power of the Marfalump idea is it's one simple idea. It's not about Pepsi or Star Wars. It's about a character that loves both. Star Wars and Pepsi have a very close association, and we wanted to create a character that can show the uh, the fun of Star Wars and the and the fun of drinking Pepsi all in one. Said so here, here's an assignment: work with this character, create great scenarios, draw the character, learn to love the character, and they've been having a blast doing it. Marfalump's attitude is a combination of I think. All of us working together. I think there's little bits and pieces of, of, of everyone involved uh, for, uh, from all levels in, into this guy. He's our connection. He's the connection between that fantasy that George Lucas is creating and that people are just going to have a blast with this summer. And Pepsi. It was the passion that was driving us. I think this thing is just going to be the embodiment of joy. And you're going to love this little guy. kind of laughing at this, but I think I've been Marfalump on more than one occasion. <laughs> it's a fine line between us watching the video and us actually being Marfalump. We're, we're looking in the mirror, snapping our fingers. 
and it's Marfa Lump looking right, right back at us. <laughs> the only difference between us and Marfa Lump is two extra arms. True. <laughs> this is the happening of the century, certainly one that's going to cap this century. The combination of BBDL, Pepsi, Industrial Light and Magic, and obviously Star Wars, I think, is going to be a combustible combination for the summer of 99. We're looking for magic this summer. We're going to get it. <laughs> I think... Between Phantom Menace and Marfa Lump, they weren't kidding. We, that was definitely, there was some magic that summer. I, I, there's a part where they're all, it's like a bunch of, I don't know, Pepsi people or ILM people. Nobody wants to be identified in this video. But they're, they're watching Marfa Lump on like a monitor screen. Everyone's just like, oh, ooh, ah, ha, ha. And they asked the guy why they named him Marfa Lump. And he's like, well, on his planet, it's as, it's as common as Smith or Brown. <laughs> Everyone's named Marfa Lump on his world. You know, that Dave Filoni, though, he is a slippery one. And I wouldn't be surprised if we either see Marfa Lump in The Mandalorian. Marfa Lump could show up in any episode, any time of Resistance. And no one would think twice about it. He could show up drinking space soda, fit right in. There's too much new Star Wars coming for Marvel not to come back. <laughs> he needs to come in on a flying space skateboard. He needs a song. Yeah, he doesn't have a song. He should have had a song. Scratching records. I think he figured out why he just he just didn't click with people. He didn't have a song. If he was only singing too, in addition to driving a taxi cab with pod racer engines. She's one outrageous dude. He's totally in my face. Wiggity, wiggity, right up. Rock on, Marty. Catch on the flip side, dude, masters. Not. Hey, kids, always recycle. All right, so the, the commercials of this era are absolute works of art. They're living time capsules of this period of insanity. So we went through... And picked some of our favorite Phantom Menace Mania commercials of that era. Some of the ones that get us excited. Some of the ones that best represent the crazy time that was April to May 1999. <laughs> Maybe bleeding a little bit into June. By July, it was all done. We were on to, we like, I think Twister came out or something. We were on to something else. But. We were in the basement watching VHS bootlegs of Phantom Menace. We were too busy to go out. <laughs> A copy with a Z floating around the corner of the screen. Mysterious Z. We've got a little list here of Phantom Menace commercials. So, Gabe, what's your first one? All right. Well, well, let's start out with a Marfa Lump one. I really like the one. He's in a hurry to get to the premiere, and he sits down next to Jake Lloyd. And cute little Jake Lloyd in a tuxedo tells him to be quiet. Marfa Lump! Are you downstairs again, honey? Not now, Mom. I gotta get out of here. I'm late. Oops. Help me out with this one because I'm really confused. It starts out with a human couple in a house, right? And they're like, Marvelump, be quiet up there or something. And you see Marvelump coked out of his mind in his in his Star Wars attic. <laughs> coked out on Pepsi. <laughs> he gets in a rocket ship and it, does he go to another planet? 
to see the Phantom Menace? Is it Phantom Menace being shown on another planet and Jake Lloyd's at the premiere at an alien planet where everyone's a human? No, I think what happens is he's late. So he gets a gravity boost by circling the moon (laughs) and that shoots him back to Earth to get to the premiere. Ah, okay. All right. I thought he's going to like an alternate Earth. He's using the moon to get to uh, the premiere faster. But the other thing I think that's great is the the part where he flies in through the lobby totally seems like the Fathier chase in uh, Last Jedi. So maybe maybe Ryan Johnson's a big Marfa Lump supporter. I would not be surprised one bit. The Ryan Johnson trilogy, it's all going to be a bunch of Marfa Lumps. And they're all going to be drinking Pepsi. I could see Ryan Johnson being a Pepsi person. I'm just putting that out there. He might be a Pepsi guy. Like, you go to his house and he, like... Opens up a can of Pepsi and you're like, how strange. Instead of instead of Hershey bars and, and Coke, it's Pepsi and Nestle's Crunch. Ram Bergman <laughs> is drinking like carrot juice or something. I think too, anytime we get a little extra Kid Anakin, a little Jake Lloyd goodness, it's nice to see him out of the movie in his little tuxedo. Take any Kid Anakin we can get ever. He just wants to watch the movie, Marfa Lump's being loud. So my my next pick for a commercial, it, it's <laughs> the fascinating three-in-one combination when you're getting a Taco Bell commercial, a Pizza Hut commercial, and a KFC commercial all in one, and also a commercial for Star Wars. <laughs> it's like your whole weekend in one commercial. So it's the Battle of Naboo. They're on Naboo. So it's Colonel Sanders, a character who has the unfortunate name of only being called Pizza Hut Girl. And the Taco Bell Chihuahua, they're in the Battle of Naboo, fighting battle droids. Colonel Sanders has a lightsaber. Pizza Hut Girl has a blaster. Battle droids are flying all around. Colonel Sanders is deflecting blaster bolts with the lightsaber. So Colonel Sanders could be a Jedi. I don't know if it's canon. Somebody's got to ask Pablo as soon as possible. It's a tense moment. A tank, Trade Federation tank, comes rolling up. Everyone freaks out, what's going to happen? And the tank opens up, and it's the Chihuahua driving the tank. Hey, look what I found. That's how it goes. We can't forget, too, at the beginning when the Chihuahua turns to Colonel Sanders and asks him if he's a real colonel, which obviously is because he's pretty good with the lightsaber. It's like we were saying before, did they ever go too far? Maybe this is going too far where it's a commercial for three different fast food places, all in one, and a Star Wars movie. (laughs) But if anything, this, this... this whole and there's I believe there were four sections that all kind of go together and they were broken into four commercials. This is maybe the most Phantom Menace of the Phantom Menace commercials, though, because it's kind of like, you know, Phantom Menace has the air, ba- the space battle, the ground battle, the Jedi battle and the Deed Palace battle, like all intercut at the same time. So why not have all the fast food people all happening at the same time. Like it's, it's the most star Wars of the not, not star Wars. And it actually looks pretty good. I mean, the quality of the ones on YouTube aren't that great, but like they have real battle droids and tanks and stuff in there. Like they went all out on these. It's, it's kind of like Marfa lump. This is probably another situation where somebody at ILM was probably working on the Taco Bell pizza hut KFC commercial. (laughs) animating Colonel Sanders lightsaber. Well, my next one I'm going to carry on from this is the beginning of the of their adventure 
the first part of the commercial or the first, I guess, section commercial is when the the team gets together. And it's kind of creepy because it starts out, I think Colonel Sanders is a statue in a museum. I guess it's a Colonel Sanders museum or it's a fried chicken museum, whatever. But the statue of Colonel Sanders comes to life. Maybe it's the Jedi archives and he's one of the lost 20. You know... That would just make so much sense. <laughs> Jocasta knew, knows all about it. Oh, 21 herbs and spices. No one knew its secrets. But yeah, he comes to life. He runs he, full speed. He does a giant Jedi leap into this convertible and peels out. And he picks up Pizza Hut Girl and the Chihuahua. The Chihuahua is at like a dance club. Yes, the Chihuahua's at a dance club, and Pizza Hut Girl drives her Pizza Hut truck, gets out of the Pizza Hut truck, dives off a bridge, and lands into the convertible that the colonel's driving, which all of this is just foreshadowing Attack of the Clones, I think. Lucas got it all from this KFC commercial. <laughs> Good ideas. Like it. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Okay, my next one. I'm going back to Marfa Lump. And it's it's like we said, it's Marfa Lump on a date. It starts out where we have Marfa Lump, and he's acting out the Phantom Menace with only Pepsi cans. He's going through the whole movie, a fairly accurate description of the film, too. He's doing a really good job. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Obi-Wan, we've got to save the queen. Roger, Tad! Mr. Jar Jar Binks, come for comic relief. Emergency landing on Tatooine. No! Padre is in his whistle. Love you, Mom. Love you, Padme. Oh no, Darth Maul! My brains are spilling out! Oh joy, wind. He read the novelization. And then Anakin's dreams. And there's a sand person, and he's trapped, and Anakin helps him. And then it's revealed that Marfa Lump is actually out on a date. This is the weirdest date I've ever been on. I'm out of here. Go, you must. Farewell. Goodbye. Star Wars Episode One cans collect all 24 of this. And she gets up and leaves. She's very disappointed because... Marfa Lump only wants to talk about Star Wars, which we've all been there. <laughs> it's like we were saying, we are all Marfa Lump. We're looking in the mirror. We're going into the cave. We're Marfa Lump. George Lucas is Marfa Lump. We're all Marfa Lump. That's why no one really wants to admit that Marfa Lump is okay, because he's just a mirror to our souls. If you admit Marfa Lump's okay, you have to admit you're okay. Come to Celebration Anaheim, where we'll be hosting a panel. Accepting your inner Marfa Lump. All right, what's your next one? I'm going to do, there's a Lay's Potato Chips one where there's a guy who's completely freaking out in Phantom Menace who I think we can relate to. He's like doing a handstand on the chair and he's just completely flipping out. And the lady next to him, I don't know if that's his unfortunate girlfriend or just some lady next to him, but she has the bright idea to hit him in the nose and then he folds up like a battle droid. So she can eat her chips and watch the movie. No one can resist the force of the latest Star Wars Can You Resist game. Go for the chance to win a million dollars. Hit the nose. Or one of millions of Star Wars prizes. We've all we've all been there. You're in Phantom Menace. You're freaking out. You're hyperventilating. You're doing flips, and someone just punches you in the nose so you can chill out. <laughs> it's like all these commercials are true stories. <laughs> all based on fact. All based on reality. Things that really happened. Yeah. My next one. I'm going back to Marfa Lump, and we're we're 
back to the episode one com- VHS coming out. And at this time, Marfa Lump, he's out of his human parents' attic and he's driving a pod racer taxi in New York City. He picks up two cool dudes that want to get to the video store to pick up Phantom Menace, which everybody does in New York City at night. And he's flying them through the city. And finally, they get to a video store. They go in to rush in to buy their Phantom Menace VHS, as, as we all do. And Marfalum takes a time out to drink his delicious Pepsi. Taxi! 59th Street video, please? Oh, you gotta get the episode one video. When you see the blood racing scene, young Skywalker's racing for freedom. This is where the video kicks butt. He goes into overdrive. He never stops for anything. Never stops for... Well, you gotta see it for yourselves. From the big screen to your screen, buy the Star Wars Episode One video, some Pepsi, Tostitos tortilla chips, and get three bucks back. I wish I had a pod racer taxi. If Disney was smart at Galaxy's Edge, they would have pod racer taxis to bring you to Galaxy's Edge with animatronic Marfa lumps driving them. That's why we haven't been there yet. Call us when you get pod racer taxis with animatronic Marfa lumps. All right, so the next one I have is... One of the Queen Amidala doll commercials. So this is one of the ones which it's the com- it's the Queen Amidala version that has like really long hair that you can comb and style. And all the Amidala commercials, there's like three or four of them are great because the narrator is like a little girl doing like a fake British accent, which is completely Star Wars. From Star Wars Episode One, she's elegant. She's royal. There's no one like her. Queen Amidala. She has amazing hair. Glamorous styles. Her own special looks. <gasps> she's beautiful. And she's the only one who can save her people. Ultimate Hair Amidala. Part of the Queen Amidala collection. Star Wars. Now it's your universe. Ultimate Hair Amidala and other Queen Amidala dolls come with the accessories you see here. Each doll sold separately. Stands on included. From Hasbro. But then just watching this recently made me think how sad it is that we have all these new characters with beautiful flowing hair like Rey and Kylo and old Luke that we haven't gotten a new doll version that you can comb their hair. I think little boys and little girls want a Kylo Ren. They can pull the helmet off and comb that hair. And by little boys and little girls, grown up people, everyone wants Comb my hair, Kylo. Yes. If it talked, you're doing great. <laughs> it looks wonderful. There could be a Force Awakens version with the puff, with a little bit of the fluff and the puff. You know my hair always looks good. And then you can get like a Last Jedi greasy, kind of sad Kylo version. Well, it could come with like some some product that you put into like, you'd start with the clean... Force Awakens Kylo, and then you can put like a little bit of grease in it, and then it comes with like some uh, some dirt you can put on his face to do the Rise of Skywalker version. We're we're hoping that Rise of Skywalker Kylo hair is the greasiest yet. It better be all the stuff that guy. It's Supreme Leader, Supreme Leader of Grease. I've no time to wash my hair anymore. He's gonna get out of his Tie Fighter and jump into Grease Lightning. Him and Ray are going to fly off into the sunset. The end. Maybe he'll just sing Grease Lightning. Go, Grease Lightning. Go, go, go. Okay, so my next one. 
classic fan mask commercial. It's a Pizza Hut one. I think it's from the UK because there's like UK police officers, but everyone's got American accents. It's really weird. But they're at Pizza Hut. It's a bunch of young girls at Pizza Hut. And one of them is describing like the most dreamy person she's ever met. <laughs> I finally found the one I've been looking for. What's he like? He's got horsey teeth and these eyes that stick on top of his head. See, it's Jar Jar Binks. People all over the world are getting into Star Wars Episode One by piecing the story back together again with a collectible jigsaw from Pizza Hut. Now, get a Star Wars jigsaw meal deal, two large pizzas, garlic bread, and one collectible jigsaw from $19.95. Dine in or home delivered. They made a head of Darth Maul. Star Wars and Pizza Hut. Get into it. But the best thing is, I don't know if you noticed, behind the girls, there's like a giant framed poster of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi with his lightsaber out. That is the absolute best Pizza Hut. <laughs> we know we're in the right place. They're like, we've left this poster up for 20 years, finally. All right, what's your next one? All right, the last one is, it's Comtech Chips again. I know we did a Comtech Chip episode, but there's a Belgian version. I don't know if there was an English version or if there was just this Belgian one, but it's Comtech Chip. It's great, but the really wild thing is at the end... There's like a part where they like show all the characters' faces, and two of the characters are just like random kids dressed up as as like kids on Tatooine. Like you think it's Anakin, but it's not. It's just some other kid, and I don't know if the other one's supposed to be. It's like bootleg Kidster or something. It's I don't know. It's really strange. You can't. We can't talk Phantom Menace and not throw in some Comtech chips. Star Wars, the new Star Wars figuren praten echt dankzij de Comtech Reader. We will have revenge. Bring Qui Gon Jinn and some Comtech chip by the Reader. I sense a disturbance in the Force. Luister naar Obi Wan Kenobi. I have a bad feeling about this. Met de nieuwe figuren beleef je de echte Star Wars actie. Star Wars, may the Force be with you. It's always a good time to talk about Comtech chips. Yeah, it's never not the right time. Well, if you haven't figured it out already, Phantom Menace mania was insane. Like we said, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that level of Star Wars mania again, even with it now being owned by Disney. It's like Force Awakens, you know, just like the the build up to Force Awakens, like we always say, was so reminded us so much of that build up to Phantom Menace, but not even Force Awakens mania. Did we hit that level of episode one insanity? Yeah, Phantom Menace hype was a real thing. It was everywhere. It was intense. It was over the top. It was ridiculous. And it was amazing. And I'm glad I was alive then, but I'm maybe glad that it may never happen again because I don't know if I could survive another onslaught of Star Wars insanity like that. Because it was way toned down for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I mean, there was still a lot of stuff, but I don't know. At least I remember in 2002, I was kind of like, oh, so we're not getting crazy like that again? (laughs) I I get it, but oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed there weren't like Count Dooku face lollipops that I could get at at Target. We're we're entering that, uh, that golden period of Rise of Skywalker hype where... Like we said, the whole world becomes Star Wars Celebration for a little while. (laughs) So enjoy it while we have it with Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker coming because there's nothing quite like that Star Wars hype. A 
Experience the spectacle. Feel the excitement. Share the fun. Take the journey. All over again. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Rated PG. So it is that time of the month where we thank all the members of the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. We thank each and every one of you so much for supporting the show. Yeah, so let's start running through all the members of the Blast Points Army. So a huge thank you to Ian, Robert, Nathan, Matthew, Darren, Brittany, Christina, Elliot, Colleen, Andy, Jalia, Rick, I, Rebel, Nick, Kathy G, Kevin and Gina, Jesse, Doug, Kara, Susanna, Francisco, Tim, Chris, Lawrence, Andrew, Joseph, Kevin, Sam, Robbie, David, Ryan, Dustin, Jordan, Kathy, Kit, Stephen, Allison, Anuj, and Ash. Thank you to Connie, Jay, Josh, Jeremy, Ryan, Adam, Brian, Patrick, Angelo, David. Joe, John, Stephen, Jay, Jason, Amy, Tracy, Dave, Terrence, Mario, Stephanie, Jonathan, Matthew, Rodney, and Amy. Thank you to Craig, Steve, Brandon, Marissa, Michelle, Olivia, Kevin, Sean, Brandon, Richard, Tom, Ian, Aiden, Christian, Chris, Angel, and Hammy. Candace, Matthew, Jen, Jesse, Patrick, Jake, Emily, Amber, Sinatra, Will, Jackson, Michael, Paul, Carrie, Justin, Mike, Rob, and Jonathan. And thank you to Khadija, John, Katie, Drac, Amy, Matt, Jeff, John, Eric, and Todd. Every single one of you is awesome. We love you all. Can't wait to share some of the awesome stuff we got planned for Patreon. It is Matrix Month, Blast Points Patreon Army. We just had over the weekend our speculation on matrix four come out the special episode. And later this month, I think we can give it away. It's going to be a commentary for the matrix one, that other movie that came out in spring of 1999, that other little independent, tiny little art film (laughs) that a few people went to see. So yeah, we love doing it. Uh, We love that you folks are out there listening to them. It means so much to us, your support. Thank you, each and every one of you. Thank 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 you. Hi, J.J. Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode Seven, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
and iTunes reviews. You know it. We say it every single week. If you're listening on some kind of Apple podcast situation thing, go over there, write a little review for the show, and we will read your review in an upcoming show. We are so behind with reading reviews. Hopefully next week we can get to them. (laughs) Let's hope. If you leave us a review, we'll add yours to the big list of ones we've got to read. And check us out on blastpointspodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for the chill group on Facebook where it's always Blast Points all the time. And I think we mentioned in some previous episodes, if you want to go back to some older episodes, the website's a good place to go because you can use the search function and look for any particular episodes that might interest you. And a lot of the commercials that we talked about in today's episode, we'll put them up in the Facebook chill group for everyone to enjoy so you can show your next door neighbors and your parents and your pets Marfalump. You can take your phone into a Taco Bell, a KFC, and a Pizza Hut, and you can party like it's 1999, literally. Someone needs to make an app that you can go into a KFC and like look through your phone screen through the camera, and it like makes the walls look like it's Phantom Minutes promotion, and it and it puts the posters and everything back up, and you can just look around the room and see like you're looking back in time. Do like VR goggles, like Vader Immortal, but it's 1999 Taco Bell Immortal. We're gonna need VR to re to experience Toys R Us now that it's now that it's gone. Midnight Madness is right around the corner. Triple Force Friday. That about wraps up episode 186, month nine of Phantom Menace year. We will be back next week with another all new episode. But thank you everyone for listening. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. All the guys were new and you didn't really know how everything fit together before. So intense. I mean, I was, my heart was beating. It's still beating now. And I just screamed, literally. What do you think, Poe? With the white? Yeah. And who's your favorite? Um, Darth Maul. Pandemonium. Everybody was out there just screaming, yelling. When Lucasfilm logo came up and 20th Century Fox came up, uh, that was the best. I, I like Darth Vader. Like, oh. It'll be a great movie 20 years from now. It'll be part of six great movies. But like that long-eared alien dude, I mean, he always messed up, but he ended up helping his army and stuff. May the force be with all of you!